Welcome to Advantage Over, the only global rugby podcast to help you become a better referee. Your host today is Keith Lewis. Are you ready? Time on. Welcome back to the Advantage Over podcast. It's been a while, but it seems like we're all getting back into a new normal in most parts of the world, and at least rugby is back for most of us. Um, even, even I've been back on the pitch in the last couple of months, which has been great, getting back into the swing of actually running around. Um, after seven years sitting in a, a TV truck, it's great to be back out running around the, the fields of the county and getting back into to grassroots rugby and, and supporting the game, um, as we always used to enjoy. And it's just been a really great um, couple of months getting back out there, getting run up and running and helping a rugby match to actually happen, which is, after all, what we're all about. But while we've all been kind of locked down, one of the great things that's that's come out of the, the sort of quieter period is the fantastic conversations that we've all been having about all things refereeing over in the rugbyreferee.net Facebook group. Um, if you are a referee, and we do restrict it just to those involved in, in refereeing, match officials, observing, that kind of thing, um, do come and join us. It'd be great to have you as part of that group. Um, if you go to refsquad.com, that will automatically redirect its way to the, the right page. There's a couple of questions in there just to, to kind of show and demonstrate that you are indeed a referee or match official um, and I'll let you in pretty quickly um, and what it is is I mean, it's just a, a safe space for 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 us that are involved in the game on our side of things to chat about experiences discuss law issues ask questions share knowledge share wisdom share counsel share help and support for those if you need it um, and, and to kind of talk about all the things we see as referees when we're out there on our own for most of us so, so do come over and join us head to refsquad.com and we'll let you in that'd be great Sadly, one thing that's cropped up since we have restarted the, to play after lockdown is what feels like an increase in all-round aggro. Um, some of that is just general low-level angst that seems to be around the field, um, whether it's on the field, whether it's off the field, whatever it might be. Um, and some of it's kind of just over-exuberance, people getting back into the swing of it after a long way, get, a long way away from the game. And I guess that's to be expected to some extent. But sadly, a lot of it is is around the field. So um, what I wanted to chat about today on this podcast is, is what I'm calling dealing with ugly. Um, it's never a nice thing for us to have to do, but it's a fact of life that, that's creeping in. Um, so we're going to have a look at some of the issues that we're all facing. I'll try and give you some of the sort of strategies and tools to help you when things get heated to think about now before we get back into the swing of things again um, as we get into the new season if you're in the, in the, in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and I did. We did this. Some of this comes from um, a conversation that we did have in the Facebook group, which is why those two things are linked. Um, so there is some pearls of wisdom from people who are in there and contributed some of the thoughts. So it's not just mine. It's kind of a, a group effort. Some of some of the stuff we've got there. So let's talk about it. Um, it's one of those things that we are seeing and we need to deal with it. And we're going to split it into two bits, really: on-field aggro um, and off-field. We're not going to talk about foul play. Um, that's one for another podcast in itself. This is about dealing with the other stuff that might happen in and around the game. Stuff like player baiting, grumpy touch judges, dealing with coaches, dealing with water carriers. Um, and then we look around the field at sort of those who are behind the barrier, if you like. So let, let's start with on the field. To be fair, um, most of the issues on field do arise from some form of act of foul play, um, which, as I said, we'll cover on another day. We can talk about foul play um, on a separate podcast, and we'll definitely do that. But one thing that's cropped up more and more is what is what I call player baiting. Those sort of niggly comments, the snide remark, the cheering of mistakes, the poor sportsmanship, trying to shout down opposition at sort of line or, or things like that. Each thing on their own might not feel like there's something that we need to get involved in. Um, and it's sort of 
outside the law. Of course, there's always conduct, conduct prejudicial to the game and um, anything else that kind of does fall into foul play. But those, that's quite a big court to suddenly leap to a penalty or a card. Um, but all those little things do add up. As I said, it doesn't need to be penalised, but you do need to deal with it. So it doesn't build into something big, which will you will be forced to deal with later on. So how? Um, well, like so many things in refereeing, it depends. It's a, those of you who have heard me talk before, that sort of grey area and, and um, the sort of it depends. There's so many things go into this decision-making process from us and it's up to you as an individual match official and what your style and what your approach, how much experience you've got, the context of the game, your context of the game, what, how you're getting into it, will all play a part in how you deal with the things that you come across. Um, my style um, is always a bit nice guy, if you like. Um, I've always preferred the softly, softly approach to this kind of thing. A quiet word here, sometimes even just a look and a glare, um, to not have to sort of forcibly get involved um, and things like that. Other referees, some of you may um, prefer a different route, would advocate an absolute stamping down on it right from the very beginning. That's totally totally fine. Um, and you, you, there are different levels of escalation to all this, depending on what style you, you might go for. Um, some uh, would, would advocate kind of starting at a formal word with the captain to rein it all in. Um, either is totally fine. A mixture of both is fine. But deal with it, you must, because if you don't, things will start to escalate thereon. Um, some referees out there will advocate even having a selective hearing approach. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that, um, because sometimes if you keep ignoring it, it's just going to keep happening. Whereas selective hearing things, there are things that you can kind of overlook if you like. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to take and say some people will go for it. Um, but that might not solve your problems later in the game and certainly won't help next week's referee. Sometimes it's good to let the players get out of their systems. You, you can recognise that when it's happened. It's a once-and-done approach. It's just a blowing of steam and you know it's not going to happen again. Um, but you just need, you'll see it when you register that and you see it. I think that will probably come through okay. Um, that might be fine. But if you need to speak to people, whether it's one or two people, then the line that I've used before, particularly if they're baiting each other, um, and you can kind of get control of it, is something like this. I'll stop the play. I'll call both players to, to me, and I'll say, look, if I hear that again, I will assume that it's aimed at me, and then I'll have little choice but to deal with that accordingly. Is that clear? So it's kind of saying that you've heard it, you've recognised that they're having a go at each other, but it needs to stop. Um, and normally they kind of have this little bit of a panic in their voice. So if I hear it, I will assume that it's at me. And you know what that means, don't you? It kind of gets that buy-in from the players and they understand what's going on. Again, how you deliver that will be in your style. But I tend to do it with just a hint of a smile. Um, that's my style with my experience coming through. Um, it makes the point without coming across too aggressively. I mean, it's really hard on a podcast like this to give phrases and suggestions in a way that others can find useful, but kind of see what you think. So as I say, I've got 24 years refereeing under my belt and plenty of experience. I'm a slightly sarcastic, dry humour kind of bloke, and I use that to my advantage, or what I think is my advantage. But many of you won't be any of those things. So you have to decide what's right for you and how you might say it. Um, why not practice it? I mean, people always think that these great one-liners that we see on TV, whether it's a, a, a Wayne Barnes line, whether it's a Nigel Owens line, whether it's a Ben O'Keefe line, whether it's Nick Berry, whoever it is, they'll have practiced those. They'll have thought about it up front and they'll deliver them in a way that suits them. 
but you are not them. You need to be you and come up with your own way of dealing with it. And you might play on what they've done before and use those um, use words and phrases, but you need to just think about your style and what you're going to do before it happens so that when it does happen, you've already got your done your thinking behind it. I mean, for, for other types of niggle that you'll find on the field, I'd revert to that sort of well-used sanction framework that referees have always had wherever we are in the world and we've always used for years. I mean, other areas of the game, the ask, tell, penalise approach. You don't have to start at the bottom and work up. If you've got those three levels to choose from, use them, ask them nicely, then tell them and then penalise them. You're giving the players a choice to stop what they're doing and to change their behaviour for the better of the game. But you'll note that that ignoring it isn't one of those three things. You need to do one of those three things if you're starting to feel that things are going on um, and then you can recognise it. And that's the thing. You need to recognise it's happening and start to think about managing it and then moving into managing it. So there's just some little hints and tips for dealing with that sort of niggly, angsty stuff that we come across all the time. Um, And if we start to let it build, it starts to get away from us. So that's on-field. And now let's look about off-field. And by that, I mean the non-players, the not the 15 on each side that you've got in front of you on the field of play. So we are talking about people inside the barrier, outside the barrier, touch judges, water carriers, coaches. And again, we need to think about, we need to treat those in a slightly different way because some of them, in air quotes, are your responsibility and some others. Um, so let's split that into two. So the main issues that we find with the sort of those inside the barrier is what I would call sort of over-exuberance and excitability. If it's not causing you a problem or anyone else on the sideline a problem, then maybe that is time to choose your battles. It's not selective hearing, um, but is it something you need to deal with? Yes or no? You need to answer that question as you go. But if it's causing any type of problem for anybody else, then it is something you need to deal with. And just to be clear, if we're talking about people inside the rope, so we're talking about medics, doctors, water carriers, touch judges, coaches, replacements, those sorts of things, they do come under your jurisdiction. They might claim otherwise, but if they're inside the barrier or the rope, whatever it is you've got, they are part of the game. Um, It's always worth checking out the, the, the regulations that cover those the leagues you're operating in because the vast majority will have a regulation in place which mandates some form of technical area of either description and it should either be marked or identified as a space if it's not and generally speaking that space is on the 10 meter line either side of halfway off the field obviously but in that space by the halfway line some may choose the opposite side which is good because it means they're out of each other's way and they're not annoying each other which again can cause some of those angsty issues that we have to deal with later on Um, but if there isn't anywhere marked just think about it before the game and you can put people in that in that space and if somebody is following you or is following play up and down the line and adding their over-exuberant views and comments and arm wavings and stuff, you are quite entitled to encourage or force them back to those technical areas. That is what they're there for. The technical area wasn't a thing when I started off. Um, it's become part of the game. It's written into most um, regulations. Um, and that's what they're there for, to keep people where they need to be and not interfering with the game that they don't need to be interfering with so that's just something to be aware of up front know what know the regs in your space and use it if you need to if coaches 
don't want to be in the technical area and they want to be behind the dead ball line, behind the post as some do, I think that's a brilliant place for them. It's well out of your way. Um, it's well out of most of the players' way and that's a, that's a solid place for them to be in. So if they want to be there, go there. Don't force them into somewhere they don't need to be unless they're causing you a problem. But just because they're in that area doesn't absolve them from having to maintain a dignified approach. They have standards to maintain. Hopefully... They aren't, but they might still be screaming and shouting at you, and that's not okay. You can still remind them of their responsibilities if you need to, and escalate further if you need to. And if, in terms of how we do that, I'll come back to that in a little bit. But just because they're in the technical area doesn't absolve them from being a pain, if you like. So you still need to deal with it if it becomes something you need to deal with. Um. One thing that cropped up in the conversation we were having in the Facebook group was about sort of a grumpy or opinionated touch judges. And I use that phrase deliberately. They're TJs. They're not assistant referees. They don't have any powers. Um, they're there. They have two tasks to t- mark touch and, and flag up behind um, uh, and, and post. So when the uh, monitoring kicks at goal. Having a grumpy or disruptive TJ crops up many a time in conversations, although actually my experience is quite rare. Um, most of the people out there are brilliant and they're there doing you a favour, probably the club a favour and they're doing it for the right reasons because they want to stay involved. Normally the grumpy ones are ones who are there under duress. They're the replacement or the person who hasn't made the bench so they're grumpy about not playing that day or they might be injured in some way, shape or form. Maybe they've had a concussion they will desperately want to be there but they can't so they're running the line for you. Um, that sort of thing, you get the gist. Um, but if you're suffering from that and you're getting grief from that person you absolutely can deal with it and you should seek a new one if they won't moderate their behavior um again they're there to do a job and they need to do that job they're not there to run up and down the line with the flag and shout you or help you um or even even worse they're just not there to do that and if they can't or won't help find someone who will and if you can't the players need to be aware of that and they either need to find someone Or they take the risk that you, the referee, needs to make the calls or you get somebody from the field to do it. Because in most rules, in most regulations, if it's a league game, they have to provide a touch judge. Um, They have to provide somebody. Um, So, again, that's that's quite an escalation point to take someone off the field and make them run the line because that isn't going to help at all. But generally speaking, if you lead players or coaches or whoever it is down that particular track of that, that's where you may end up, they'll find somebody who can be helpful. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a, another thing to be aware of and, and to consider. So let's consider the conduct of people outside the barrier, of fans, spectators. And that can be um, one or two, it could be three or four, it could be a couple of hundred, depending on what level you're at, up to thousands. Um, I've, my, in my experience, the more people you have, the less you hear. Um, it just becomes sort of noise rather than anything specific. Um um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? We just need to be aware of the fact that people have, in some cases, paid to be there um, and they're entitled to have an opinion from behind the barrier. And that's a, a valid point that's often wheeled out. That is true, but the game is bigger than that view, in my work, in, in my view. Um, if, if we look at the front of the law book, um, the, the World Rugby Law Book and other different versions around the country, around the world, it spells out rugby's core values from World Rugby perspective, integrity, passion, solidarity, discipline and respect. In New Zealand they have they have a different uh, version of that. Be welcoming, play fair, be passionate, be our best. In England we have the TREDS framework which stands for teamwork, respect, enjoyment, discipline, portsmanship. 
even a spectator behind the barrier has to maintain that those those elements no matter what country you're in whatever country you're listening to you will have a version of that or default to the world rugby version um if they're out if a spectator behind the barrier is out of a lot is out of line in a way that you think breaches the bar that you'll have set that you can deal with then you can deal with that spectator um, i'm not saying we need to overreact we need to consider if engaging is actually the appropriate course of action but sometimes comments that you hear do cross your own personal red lines of what's acceptable i mean i wouldn't so as i was i was actually there doing a second team game which had finished early and but i saw a referee at a national league game in england stop the game and demand that a spectator left the area and wouldn't restart until that spectator had gone which is a big call but let's say his personal integrity had been called into question by that spectator and it had crossed that barrier it crossed that line that red line that he had um, and he went on to become an international referee at the highest level. So it can be done. Um, I've been refereeing, as I said, 24 years, and I've never done that. But maybe I got lucky. It's just one of those things. But it can be done, and it and you have the authority and the power to do that. Um, it is. It's, it's about abuse. And if you're being abused, we call it what it is, then you totally need to deal with it. Ignoring it is not managing it. But then... The question is, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with these spectators, uh, these spectators or coaches or water carriers? So, again, we've got choices. Um, it, and again, some of it will depend on your character, your approach, your experience, your confidence. Um, and you can do it yourself. If you feel comfortable in pulling that spectator out of the crowd and dealing with them, then deal with it. But that's quite hard for for some people to, to take on board and deal with it. Um, the very fact that you're seen to be addressing it directly could is pro- is usually enough for that miscreant to realise that they've gone too far and to do what you've asked them to do. Um, but sometimes it's not the best course of action or or the easiest course of action. Um, so what? How do you? How are you going to do it? So the other alternative, if you're not um, in that ballpark, if you're not in that arena to do it yourself, is to use the people you've got around you. Use the captains, the the well-behaved coaches that you've got to do it for you. Pass the buck to them the spectator or the coach involved will belong in air quotes to one of the coaches make it their problem to deal with we often talk about doing that when we're using captains to solve problems on the field we do the same for off-field problems you can stop the game use the captain or the coach whoever it is you might find explain what's happened and what you've heard and what you want them to do and if they don't you then have to do have the courage of your convictions to follow through on what you started. I mean, I, I can't envisage a scenario where a player coach would not deal with it so that play can resume or would pr- therefore prevent you from having to abandon a game for some, for, for some off-field reason. It's not a good look for any club to have to go through that process and it goes through a disciplinary process because the clubs need to be responsible for for their spectators and their fans. So if it's going down that line, then they will solve it for you. Um, another alternative, if, you, if you're not comfortable with the captain or you haven't got that relationship with them, is to use somebody else from the club, the club hierarchy, the Blazer Brigade, the Alakadoos, whatever we might call them. They're club people through and through. And you've probably met or chatted to some of them before the game in some way, shape or form. Whoever it is that welcomed you there, whoever it is that you spoke to during the week to confirm that the game was on, that you've already got that relationship there. Um, hopefully you'll be able to utilise that. Um, but what on earth do you do or say or need to be saying when these situations? Um, so some great advice from, from people in the Facebook group. Take a breath and slow down. The same things that we've talked about 
in other areas of our game. Create time and space to do it. Consider your body language, the verbal communication. Um, Kevin put in the thread, take a breath, then take another one. Remember to stay calm and polite. You're on the right side of this debate. You haven't done anything wrong. They have. Um, so use that conversation to put the pressure back. Um, you can use the captains to influence the coaches by a phrase Matt, Matt used this line said captain your coach's attitude is not acceptable please deal with it before I need to escalate and then of course you give them time to go and get on with it or captain that spectator has just said this to me has verbally abused me they need to leave this playing area before we can continue can you go and deal with it please or something like what are you trying to achieve? You're talking directly to a coach. What are you trying to achieve? Do you think shouting at me is going to help achieve that? There's a phrase that we've heard before um, on the field, on, on TV. Is that an appropriate example to set to the players? There's a couple of good examples there. You might want to cherry pick some of those. Um, people talk about tolerance levels, and I think I've touched that before. Um, one of one wise old sage pointed out, whilst you might have a, a, a high tolerance level, next week's referee may not have the same as you. So if you're not dealing with it this week, that could cause them an issue next week. Um, and like so many areas of our game, getting some good prep work in won't do you any harm at all. Um, figure out who it is that you've got on side, who your your friends are around the pitch, then you can utilise those you've people you've used before. If the captain isn't working for you, use that sage old prop who's on side or someone you've refereed before and you've already got that relationship with. Use those people around around you to help solve the problems that have been presented if you need to um, pass the buck to them um, but ultimately if you have someone who's got that agitated around the field needs to be removed then they need to go you're quite within your rights to wait and restart wait to restart the game until they've gone just as ever with these things if you're going to do that just make a note of the time and the circumstances so that you can report it later um, and that's a, a really good point Post-game, you have to report these in incidents. Um, it may not be that you've gone down the full match official abuse form, but each spectator, each sorry, each union or society um, will have a process for monitoring these things, so they need to be aware of, the, of what you have been through. They're there to support you. Um, it could be that, that it may need lead to conduct charges through the disciplinary channel later on. It might not. Um, <coughs> we all know that there's formal and informal measures that constituent bodies can utilise. Whilst on its own, it might not stand up to much. This might be the second or third time that a low-level matter has been raised with them. And like an on-field totting-up process where three yellow cards in a season can lead to a full disciplinary, the same can happen off-field at lower levels. But it can only be dealt with if it's reported to your society and union. They will be monitoring these things, that I can guarantee. They might not seem to do anything, but they will be keeping a close eye on regular clubs who are reported to them, regular people that are reported to them, so that they can then deal with if, they, if there are trends starts to, um, to develop. Everywhere you're listening to this podcast, there will be a match official abuse form for you to, to use. Use the prompts on the form to get you to think about what's happened. If you've got to send it in, if it needs filling in, if you're going through that run and it is official abuse, then you need to send it through. The process needs to be followed. Even if you think you might be at fault somewhere along the line, um, that can be dealt with later. But let the society and the union support you as you do it. Um, one thing I touched on there, I do want to just come back to. 
Sometimes we, as referees on the field, can contribute to the problem. The way we speak to players or manage players sometimes can just go wrong. I mean, contrary to popular belief, we referees are human. We're all liable to make mistakes. We might make a judgment on saying something and doing something, and it might not work. It's it's a mistake that we make, just like we do as employees, as employers, as managers, or as parents, or as coaches if we do other stuff. Um, we Sometimes we might try and deal with something in one way, and it just doesn't work, or in fact has the exact opposite. It makes it worse. But we need to reflect on how these things happen. Um, we might conclude that, in as part of that reflection, that we might be part of that problem. And that helps us to moderate our behaviour, our behaviour as referees going forward and how we do things differently next time. Um, I'll always remember a conversation with one referee who I think is actually a listener, so I might be smiling wryly right now, about what led to a player being sent off. And on reflection, what started that player's bad or escalatingly bad behaviour was a comment that the referee had made in the heat of the moment. It didn't excuse the end outcome at all. It was totally correct. And that player needed to leave the field in the end for what subsequently then happened. But that first management comment or decision was a contributing factor to what then happened next. It's just something we need to consider. Look, sometimes we don't help. um, And that's not a deliberate action. It's just something we might try and it doesn't work. And then that starts to escalate. And if we lose control of things, then it just gets even worse. But sometimes our own self-reflection needs to reflect that. And we need to think about... Did it work? Didn't it work? What might happen next time? When we do our own um, performance reflections, could we do something different? Could we have done something different? And what are we going to do next time about it? So that feels like we've covered a lot of negative ground there, but it's clearly something in our game we need to consider and stay on top of. Many of us have noticed that this is a wider cultural shift that's heading onto our respective rugby fields around the world. It's something we're all concerned about. It's not helping referee recruitment. It's not helping referee retention. Um, But it's something we've got to keep going and working hard at. We've got to maintain the core values of our game that I talked about earlier. If we let it slide, if you let it slide on your field, then we as a refereeing body, a group of referees, will have bigger problems further down the line. So it's important that we talk about these things. We think about how we're going to deal with them how we're going to move forward and and how we create a better environment around the games that we've got. So I'd love to know what you think about any of that. Um, If you've got any suggestions or additions to that, I'd love to hear from you about what's happened to you, um, whether there's any support that we can offer to you. I hope there's some nuggets in there that you can take away and consider. Um, We've all got our own style and approach, so you'll need to figure out what works for you and what will work for you in the future but thanks very much for listening if you've got any comments or feedback as ever drop me a line the email address to send it to is ref at rugbyreferee.net if you're on social ref, rugby referee net is basically the handle we operate on send us a message um, if you're a match official referee you want to talk about any of these things then as i said earlier right at the start um, come and join the facebook group at refsquad.com I hope that's been a helpful walkthrough about how we might deal with the ugly that we sometimes see on our field. It's not nice, it's not pleasant, but hopefully there's some some areas in there, some, some comments, some helpful advice that you can take away as you go into your next game. So I hope that's been useful for you. Have a good game on your next refereeing. And with that, I'll call Advantage Over. 
Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, that about this podcast this is the only rugby referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyreferee.net, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over. <laughs>